0: Welcome everybody, I'm your host, Brian Basilico, and this is the podcast where you learn to make your business sizzle online. So are you ready to fry up some new business? Hey, peeps. I am uber excited. Now, this is a podcast. Hmm? Captain Obvious here, right? But we're going to be talking about body language today. And especially in the COVID era, think about trying to read body language when you can't see somebody's mouth or, you know, you're watching them on Zoom or, you know, and soon to be in person, obviously. It's going to be a great topic today. And we are lucky to have Blanca Cobb. She's down in North Carolina. She's not only an expert in body language and deciphering deception. But on top of all of that, she's just fun to talk to. So, Blanca, how are you doing today?
1: I am great. Thank you so much for having me on your show.
0: Oh, thank you for coming on. This is going to be a fun subject. I'm looking forward Mm -hmm. to it. So what I like to do is get my audience to know you a little better. So how did you go from being a school psychologist to studying the psychology of your kids to basically psyching people out on the internet? (laughs) (laughs)
1: that's a funny way of putting it but yes Uh, so I have a master's degree in psychology and I have trained with some heavy hitters in the field I have trained with other body language expert and detecting deception experts and I've combined the two but to go back to the beginning when I was a little girl I was abused and I spent a lot of my childhood scared and I didn't know who who I could trust and so one way to protect myself is I'd started watching body language, but as a little girl, I didn't know what I was doing. But what I realized rather quickly is when you watch somebody's movements and you watch their reactions, they unknowingly reveal who they are and what their intentions are. And I had no idea at that time, or even as a young adult, that trauma of being abused as a child would lead into a successful career.
0: That's amazing. And, um, and, and the fact that you kind of discovered that talent so young is, you know, incredible and the way it's kind of, you know, molded your life is awesome. So one of the things that I've heard is that, I mean, there are like thousands of facial expressions, right? Is that correct? There
1: are a lot, there are a lot of different facial expressions. Yes.
0: Yeah, so facial expressions are one thing. So obviously the way that people, you know, we all know that somebody crosses their arms are being closed or... You Not know,
1: necessarily. The, Let me interrupt oh, you right there. Not there necessarily. We go.
0: That's why we're talking today. So that's a <laughs> misconception. All right, we're going to debunk that myth and a few others. Mm-hmm. So what is... Um, so let's start talking about um, the first one, which I think is, you know, everybody's in Zoom land right now. We're all mm-hmm. Zoombies, you know. What do you see in Zoom meetings that kind of trips you up or gets you going or, or, or what is the things that people need to be on the lookout for?
1: That's a great question. And the one mistake I see so many people make is that their camera isn't eye level. What happens a lot of times that I see is the camera is lower than the person. So the person is actually looking down at their camera. And Figuratively and literally, you're looking down to the person you're talking to. And it sends the subtle me- message unbeknownst to you that is really not collegial. No one wants to be looked down at. And aesthetically, a lot of times it isn't pleasing because you can see a lot of shadows underneath the chin and a double chin, depending on how you're moving your neck. Hmm. That's a big mistake that, that people make.
0: And that one's obvious because, I mean, a lot of people just put their laptop on the table where they're at and they have to Mm -hmm. fold the screen up that way. Luckily, I'm on a desktop and when I'm doing Zoom meetings, I know to have my camera on top of my monitor. So it is pointing down. And I've learned that a long time ago, too, is you always want the camera to be eye level or a little bit higher, not too, too high. And um, but I never thought about that, honestly. Um, That's interesting. So what else?
1: And then another mistake is people don't look into the camera. What happens when you're on Zoom is you see yourself. And really the only time you see yourself is when you're standing in front of a mirror. And when you're standing in front of a mirror, what are you doing? You really are looking at yourself. You're looking at your hair. You're brushing your teeth. You're looking, checking out your clothes. Mm-hmm. So it's a natural thing to do, right? To look at yourself. However, it doesn't come across very welcoming or warmth to the person you're talking to because you're not giving them eye contact. So, sure, naturally, you want to see the person on that screen and you should, but when you're talking, look directly into the camera because that is your way of conveying eye contact.
0: And see, I find that hard. I mean, I really do because it's awkward. It's very awkward because my screen, like I'm looking at just a picture of the two of us, we don't have our cameras on, but you're to the left and you're kind of at the lower left of the camera. And I want to look at you while you're talking as opposed to looking up at the camera when I'm talking to you. So it's kind of almost unnatural. It's like you you have to train yourself to look at the camera versus looking at the person you're talking to.
1: Absolutely. So look at the person you're talking to Right. Not directly into the camera when you're on Zoom, when you're listening to them talk. Mm-hmm. However, when you're talking, it's really important to look into the camera because that's as if you're giving them eye contact.
0: That totally makes sense. That absolutely makes sense. But it's one of those things I think you have to consciously train yourself to do because it's not you do. inherent. And that's Put a picture
1: of somebody by the camera. That's a tip I give people. Hmm. and so then you then your eyes are going to be drawn to the person that you're talking to which is right at the camera and guess what you're giving eye contact and it also helps for people who get nervous so if they feel like they're talking to one person because when you're staring into a camera it's it's almost as if you're talking into this black hole right because you're not mm-hmm. you're not getting anything back because you're not no one's eyes are looking back at you however have a picture of somebody because then you can feel like you're talking to that person so it's a little mind trick
0: yeah or just a thought is you know, Cut out a pair of eyes and just put the eyes sure. right below the camera. I mean, that's even a great idea to be able to do it. Mm-hmm. That way you're not hiding the rest of the screen with all the other stuff. So,
1: Absolutely. So, Be creative. Whatever works for you as long as you're looking into the camera when you're talking.
0: That's awesome. Um, so what other things should we be looking at? You know, And again, Zoom can be one-on-one like we're having right now, or you can be in a meeting with 10 or 15 people in a room. Um, is there other things that you need to watch for or look at or so on and so yep. forth?
1: Yep, you want to be present. And I say this because many times on a Zoom call you will see people who are slouched, who are laid back on their couch, which is great. But if this is a professional meeting, you want to be able to simulate your behavior and the interactions online as if they were offline. So if you're not gonna slouch and lean back when you're in a meeting with a colleague or your boss, then why would you do it on a Zoom call? You wouldn't. So, and also for your presentation, how you dress makes an impact of how people perceive you. A lot of times people are like, oh, it's so informal, it's casual. Okay, but again, you want to simulate how you would be in person online because this is a medium in which we're working right now because of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And I tell people this all the time. Someone's perception of you becomes their reality of you, whether it's true or not. And people don't realize this. So another mistake is backgrounds. Mm -hmm. Not only you have to pay attention to your body language, what you're doing, but also your background. Backgrounds need to be clean, neat, and tidy. That's it. It doesn't need to be fancy. But when it's distracting and there's clutter behind you, people are making an impression of you. If Mm -hmm. that's how you keep your home, then how can you be organized at work? Or no wonder you're losing folders at work, because (laughs) look at how your home is. People make these connections. Again, perception becomes reality.
0: Right. And I ran into that mistake very early on in the pandemic is, you know, I was a doing a meeting i was actually teaching talking to people and all of a sudden my wife walks behind me in my her bathrobe and the dog walks by and it's like okay i go immediately to amazon it's like find me a green screen there you go (laughs) you know and that's the other thing is like if you can't and the way my desk is positioned you know there's just no easy way to do it because my camera faces out to all these big windows you know and it just it doesn't look good. So, you know, I, I think that's super important too, is and create a background that looks professional. And and, and to me, at least I get overly, you know, I, I, sensitive is probably the best way to say it. When somebody creates a background that is just so blatantly by my crap, you know, as opposed to something mm. that's nice and professional looking, you know?
1: Yeah, sure. And then you bring up lighting. Natural light should be in front of you. Windows should be in front of you. Right. Absolutely. And then you might, someone might need to invest in some ring lights to put around in front of them also, depending on the lighting in their home or what time of day that they're recording or being on a Zoom call.
0: Or the fact that I have a, you know, 4,000 pound position desk that <laughs> <is> <laughs> nothing I can do about. So yes, I did exactly that mm-hmm. and went and bought some lights and hooked them up to my Amazon. And, you know, I can actually say, you know, hey, turn them on and turn them off and, you know, that kind of stuff. So yeah, no, lighting is very important. Being in the video business for years, yeah, it's huge. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, And it's the old, you know, portrait versus landscape, you know, when you take pictures with your phones. I mean, there's so much to think about, but the bottom line is once you get it set up, it's done, right?
1: Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah, So pay attention to yourself. Pay attention to what annoys you about other people and say, if that annoys me, probably if I'm doing it, it annoys other people too. (laughs) So
1: Absolutely. Great point you bring up, Brian. Absolutely. Mm -hmm.
0: Thank you. So now let's take it to the next level. Mm -hmm. Um, we're meeting somebody in person at a coffee shop, but we both have a mask on. Um, Mm -hmm. what are we looking for there?
1: This is where you're going to focus on what you can see. So from the nose to the chin is covered. So really half of the face. So you can focus on somebody's eyes, their eyebrows and their forehead. And there's a lot of richness of information there. Because eyebrows can be very expressive of how you're feeling. Let me give you an example. When someone is confused or something doesn't make sense, or they're questioning something that you're saying, there's a furrow in between the eyebrows. There's a crease there. And so you can see that regardless if someone is wearing a mask or not. When someone is surprised or they're scared, their eyebrows go up in an arch. So that can let you know, okay, this might be surprise, this might be fear. And then you also have to look at the eyes and see what's happening. And when people are, um, can start getting bothered, concerned, distressed, then get, they get a lot of forehead creases. So right there, just look at the information I'm sharing based on looking at eyebrows or forehead. When people get angry, the eyes can narrow and the eyebrows straighten into a straight line. So there's a lot of richness of information that helps you understand what someone is feeling at the moment, but also you have the rest of the body to look at. You still have shoulders, What are their shoulders curved or do they have their shoulders back? What's happening with their arms? I'm going to bring up the example that you brought up earlier, crossed arms. Crossed arms don't necessarily mean that somebody's closed off or defensive or they dislike something. Sometimes it could be that they're cold. Sometimes it could be that's just their go-to move because they find it comfortable. Sometimes it could be because their back hurts and crossing their arms makes them feel better. And then depending on what they're doing with their hands, they might be reassuring themselves by giving themselves a hug. Hmm. So there's a lot of information that the body can give you. Yeah. How is someone facing you? Are they are their shoulders facing you or are they slightly turned in a different direction? The same thing with their legs and their feet. Where are their feet pointing? Are they pointing towards you? Or are they pointing towards the exit? Are they shaking a leg? Are they tapping their toes? So I give you these variety of examples to let you know how much information there is when you're reading body language. And you want to make sure that the rest of the body is congruent with what you're seeing in the face. For example, if someone is angry, you think that they're angry, what is the rest of their body doing? Is it congruent? Is it supporting that? So a lot of times these facial expressions that I'm talking about are micro expressions. And these are involuntary facial expressions that you make when you're trying to hide how you feel. Your body just reveals what you're really trying to conceal, and this happens within like one-fifteenth of a second, like a blink of the eye. So you have to really pay attention. And sometimes people intuit, they sense that something's wrong, but they're really not quite sure because their mind registers, okay, something just happened, but I'm not exactly sure what I just saw. And so you read the whole body to see, and that help give you more information.
0: So give an example of, you know, somebody doesn't look angry in their face, but something in their body that says that they're uncomfortable? Or, you know, is it just pointing away? Is it what would what would give you a sense that the body is telling you something different than the face?
1: That's a great question. So let me give you an example. You have a neutral face, you're looking at a neutral face, or you think that you see a smile because you see the outside corners of the eyes that crinkle. All right, but then you're looking at the rest of the body. So let's just say that you notice that a foot is tapping are tapping on one foot and then you notice that the shoulders that were facing towards you move a little bit in a different direction and then instead of looking at you they look down that is not congruent with happiness
0: mm-hmm. so someone's
1: trying to make you feel that they're happy but their body their other body language is saying mm, not so much and in those situations what i tell people is ask questions ask questions. This is a great time to ask questions to see if you're right or not, or you can drop the conversation and then bring it back up. Ask it again, say it in a different way to see if what you saw initially still holds true. Are they showing you some signs of discomfort, of distress?
0: So does it make sense to say, you know, hey, I'm getting a sense that you're uncomfortable or something's not right? Yes. So, you should Bingo. actually go right to it and just don't don't um, don't dance around the subject.
1: <laughs> I, w- I wouldn't. What would be the point or what would you gain from dancing around the subject or ignoring it? How is it going to help the conversation or the relationship? That's what you have to ask yourself.
0: Right. If well, you there's really certain... want to
1: know and you want to, you know, you want to do something about it, then I love what you said, because it's very similar to what I tell people to say. Correct me if I'm wrong. It seems to me I'm getting the sense of. Right. And then they'll say, oh, no, no, no. I'm just I'm distracted right now because I realize I'm double parked. I'm afraid I'm going to get a ticket. You see? So that's why you ask those kinds of questions.
0: Yeah. And, and the point I was going to bring up was that, you know, there are certain people that always like to please people. And, you if you ask them if they're upset, a lot of times you feel like you're going to make them upset. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I think the thing to do is don't be afraid of that. You know, just
1: absolutely. Don't... Mm-hmm. If you're coming from a good place, right, because you really want to understand, because you want to move the conversation along, or you want to let the other person know that how they feel is important to you, then absolutely address it. But it's all in how people address things. It's very different to say, hey, I'm getting the sense of instead of I can see that you're angry right now. Mm -hmm. You hear that? And some people will do the latter. And what happens in those situations, and I tell people, people pick up your vibe. So whatever you throw out there, someone's catching and throwing it right back. Because what happens so much is that people are always looking at somebody else. Are they interested? Are they telling me the truth? Uh, What are they hiding from me? Do they really like me?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: You always focus. My point of saying this is you're always focusing on the other person instead of realizing that you bring something to that interaction. You bring something to that dynamic. So you have to check yourself also.
0: And back to what we originally talked about, you know, with having the camera down and looking down at the camera, what you... What you said was the difference between having a confrontational approach, which is basically talking down to somebody, you look angry, Mm -hmm. versus having an empathetic approach saying, you know, is this making you feel uncomfortable? You know, it's like, I understand, you know, so I think Mm -hmm. the way that you approach it is, is huge.
1: Absolutely. No question.
0: Great point. So let's take it a little wider now. We've got from being in a box on a computer to being in front of somebody in a one-on-one situation. What are some of the things we need to look at? Let's say you're standing up at a you know, a, a corporate meeting and and giving a presentation to a group of people. What are you looking for around the room? And the same thing if you're giving a presentation, maybe to a networking group or something like that. What are you looking for as signs that what you're saying is connecting with the audience?
1: That's a great question. You make contact with each person and you do this with your eyes. You want to look, you want to take a second. And as you're talking, whatever points you're delivering When you look at one person and you start to talk, they feel like you're talking directly to them. You're making a connection there. Then you go to the next person and it doesn't have to be sequential, right? The whole front row, you can pick different people in the audience and different places, different locations in the audience also. And then as you're doing this, because you're being intentional, you're delivering information, but you're looking at one person as you talk, you make one point, then you look at another person, right? They give you the opportunity to see how people are responding to you. Are people engaged? Are they looking back? Sometimes people get so engaged, they might lean forward a little bit. I've seen people actually move up to the end of their seat when they're really engaged with what someone is saying. Look at their facial expressions. Are these facial expressions one of interest? Or are you noticing that something happening with their lips, like they're pulling their lips back, pulling their lips back? sometimes isn't a good sign depending on the context in which it is happening it could be that they're not buying what you're saying and then look at look at their body language again are they are they facing you are they turning a little bit away from you are they looking at their phone now the phone is it can be a little complex not confrontational, that's not a good word. It can be a little controversial, that's a better word. And the reason is some people think that if people are on their phone, they're not paying attention to you. Well, the flip side could be that maybe they're on their phone because they're telling somebody about this great conversation. Maybe they're tweeting it, Mm -hmm. maybe they're putting it on Facebook. So my point of bringing this up is not to make automatic assumption of what's happening. Right. But I'll give you a tip. If you feel like you're losing somebody, you can gently say, Hey, John, what do you think about such and such? The point I just made. I'd love to hear your thoughts. So you do it in a way that brings the person back into the conversation and see how they handle
0: that. Yeah. So basically what you're doing is, you know, and, and this is one of the things I focus on as social media, is you're basically creating engagement, yes. you're, you're almost forcing that person to engage with you by asking them a question, which I think is awesome. I, I think that's a great way to kind of bring somebody back. And I agree with you on the phone thing. Mm-hmm. They could be taking notes. They could be prepping to take a picture. They could be doing a lot, you know, fumbling for, where's my camera? I can't figure out where my camera exactly. is. Um, so there's a lot of different things that can go on. So to kind of summarize this and bring it into a, a neat bow mm-hmm. or package, mm-hmm one of the things that immediately comes to mind is, wow, I've got to, you know, when I'm on camera, I've got to look at the camera. I've got to put eyes up there. Um, You know, when I'm meeting somebody, I've got to watch their legs and their knees and their feet and their toes. (laughs) and You know, it just seems like a lot to take in and it almost can get distracting. So how do you train yourself to do this kind of subconsciously where it isn't distracting for the other person? That's a
1: great question. And a simple answer and a simple technique would be practice at home with your family. You don't have to tell them when you're at dinner, right? At home, you're having family dinner, or let's say you're vegging on the couch with a member of your family, start talking to them and start looking at their body language, and you're going to become more comfortable with it. So it's, it's, you have to prepare before you give a speech. You prepare before you present a proposal to a client. It's the same thing with body language when you're using it effectively and powerfully and influentially. You practice before you actually do it in a situation that really matters when you're giving a presentation, whether in person or on Zoom, before you're talking to a client. People feel more comfortable and confident the more they prepare for something.
0: And I love that, you know, immediately what my mind went to was a golf swing, Mm. you know, thinking about, you know, you practice a golf swing, you practice a golf swing, you practice a golf swing, and then you swing. (laughs) and you know no matter how much you practice um you cannot predict the ball is going to go where you want it to um based on all the the things that are around you but the bottom line is you do at least do that so i think that that's a great concept of you know practice it get used to it practice it get used Mm -hmm. to it and becomes more of a reflex as opposed to this distraction
1: absolutely and some people ask me hey blanca you know it kind of feels manipulative I'm like, no, 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 it isn't. I get why you feel this because it feels awkward. And some people will use body language to manipulate other people, absolutely. Mm -hmm. But if you come from a good place and good intent, People are not going to pick up bad vibes from you.
0: Yeah, that's key. I, and that is always, you know, the thing back when we were talking about, you know, coming at it from a, you know, a looking down on somebody versus, you know, an empathetic view. Mm-hmm. If you're doing this with a a a goal of helping somebody, it's going to be really clear, I think, to them. Mm-hmm. I think they'll pick up on that vibe. So the bottom line is be authentic. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> People are scared to be themselves.
0: Yeah, Blanca, this has been fabulous. I mean, this is really, uh, you know, especially the opening tips about being on Zoom, I think are, are huge right now. And and the thing is, is I, I look at it as like, almost like a platform of starting from one place, getting to the next and getting to the mm-hmm. next. I think you can grow these things as you go along. And as we start to get back out into the world and being ourselves in group. So if people wanted to learn more about you and the kind of things that you do, Obviously, they can, you know, fly down to Greensboro, North Carolina and watch you on Channel 2 News, and like I told my son to do, um, or they could probably find you on the Internet somewhere. Oh,
1: yes. You can pretty much find me everywhere on the Internet. I have a YouTube channel. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I love Clubhouse, a new audio platform. and. Pretty much everywhere I'm at Blanca Cobb. Oh, and on LinkedIn.
0: Awesome. And that's how we met was actually on Clubhouse. We were just kind of hanging out in a room and you started talking about some stuff. And I said, this woman's <laughs> going to be a good interview. And boy, um, my sixth sense was right. You did a great job. Thank so you. Blanca, thank you so much for coming on and dropping some sizzling hot bacon knowledge bombs on my peeps. And I am so looking forward to coming down to North Carolina sometime in the summer and watching you on TV. Great.
1: That's fabulous. Thank you so much.